Welcome to the Talking and <laughs> Talking People and Tech podcast. Got there this time. I'm joined today at ATC by David G. How are we doing, David? I'm good, mate. I'm. Uh, I think my mouth's working. Not sure about yours at the moment. Yeah, but we'll I don't get know. There. Do, do you know what? I was really tired yesterday. But I got ten hours sleep last night. You would have thought that would have sorted me out, but I'm still not quite there. <laughs> anyway. So uh, we've got our morning off to a bit of a, a roll. We're on to our third one today, and we're yeah. joined by uh, James Gilbert from HubSpot. How are you doing, James? I'm really well, thanks. Thanks yeah. for having me. It's Welcome, great to have you here. Now, um, James, HubSpot, just tell us a little bit about what you do for HubSpot. So I am in the marketing team in APAC for HubSpot, and we HubSpot is an all-in-one marketing and sales software. Uh, so we have a sales CRM, we have sales uh, enhancement tools that are really good and then we have a marketing solution well where people can like build your website run your social media run your email campaigns your analytics essentially what a lot of people do in different systems we have all in one piece of software so it makes it much easier for like medium-sized businesses to run all their marketing and and track it and now their sales teams as well um, and so I market marketing software. There you go. <laughs> yeah. so it sounds like a dream within a dream. Yeah, yeah. A, or, or the toughest challenge you could ever take <laughs> yeah. on. I'm not sure. I don't, maybe, it's, maybe it's actually the best challenge to take on marketing to marketing people. I don't know. Yeah, mm, yeah it's an interesting one. Yeah. It's how, working pretty well so far. How have you found that intersection of bringing marketing and sales together under one sort of hood uh, in, in your software, you know? Yeah, very natural, actually. Like, it's a... It, uh, it's weird that we didn't do it sooner almost because, you know, naturally, like, they're such codependent departments and, like, we can only... We have an inside sales team and where our effectiveness is really... is dependent on how effective they are with the leads that we send them. So having software that crosses that chasm really enables us as a whole to be much more efficient than if we were living in two different worlds. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm sort of starting to see the more people we've talked to at this conference, <clears throat> something's starting to emerge for me. Yeah. We've had marketing teams, sales teams, and HR teams that all have primarily sort of different purposes. Maybe the same stakeholders sometimes. Maybe it's the same person, but for mm-hmm. a different purpose. But now we're actually starting to see a space where the technology could span all of those groups, and you might use the same tech for actually dealing with three different conversations potentially you're having with them. Well, yep. It's not quite like that today. Today you buy different tech predominantly, although mm-hmm. you guys are showing you don't have to, right? Yeah, so I think uh, we're kind of – the way we evolve is like as in what we see makes sense is often we all build software for. Um, and so I think anything where you know a business has a need, where it ties in with what we already do, and particularly where they'll get additional leverage from the existing software that we have – it's probably a logical step for us to move into that space. It's just a question of when. Mm. Right. It's basically, in essence, we're all in the people business, right? Yeah. So, and I think this is what's central to this real convergence that's happening now in in um, terms of HR and marketing, which is kind of, you know, th- I mean, the obvious question is, what's a marketing person doing here at a talent conference, right? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's, I'm not trying to put the answer in your mouth, but... The, the answer is we're all about people, understanding mm. them better, creating experiences and personalised journeys in yep. the context that they're in. Yeah, and I think it, like a lot of businesses these days are very people dependent mm. and so your ability to be successful as a business depends on how good you are at bringing on people and that means you have to market yourself extremely well. Mm. Um, and particularly these days where like the whole reason HubSpot came around was because of the internet and mm. essentially people could then research what they want. Yep. And so you had to make a real effort to 
create assets and create a presence where if someone researched you, it was communicating what you want. And that we typically thought of in selling you like goods or services, but it's also exactly the same for like high caliber people are going to stalk yeah. the hell out of the company that they want to work for. Yeah. And if you don't have enough marketing materials out there about your company and what you do and what it's like to work there, you're at a disadvantage to the companies that do have that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other the other factor that um, we've heard quite strongly as well is this uh, when you're recruiting, uh, obviously you're trying to hire people into the organisation, but also you're interacting with potential customers, influencers as well. Totally. Very central in your space too. Yeah, yeah even uh, I know a lot of uh, businesses now, like sometimes they don't do business with other businesses because of their like employer brand you know yeah, like yeah. i'm sure a lot of what uber's going through right yeah. now is really hurting their corporate totally. sales team that's trying to sell them into companies it's like well no we can see what their culture's like we yep. don't want to be affiliated oh, with a company like uh, that it's um it's even more it's right down to the individual consumer level i was in the yep. san francisco last week and we all uber around and i i made the mistake of pulling my phone out and saying i'm going to uber and i got um, there's uh, a couple of people with us who are really anti-Uber because of you know all of yeah. the obvious stuff that's yeah. going on there at the corporate, um, or the toxic culture stuff. Absolutely. And they said, no, let me get a lift. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty... I think I've, I've actually heard that a lot recently mm. where in the States it's almost, in more progressive areas, it's almost taboo to be Ubering and yeah. everyone wow. is like Lyft. And I saw a graph the other day actually of Uber's market share and how it's been declining in some of their core cities in the US yeah. and how Lyft has just been... Essentially, they've done the Stephen Bradbury of being behind yeah. the pack yeah. and yeah. who was just falling just, over yeah, and they skated yeah. through to gold. So. Yeah. You know, but, isn't it interesting said, to see how like the internal culture of an organisation... I mean, we've actually talked a little bit about with some other people about marketing from the inside out. And if you don't do it well, and Uber is this great example of actually, if you market from the inside out, even if it's unintentional, which it is in their case, like mm-hmm. they haven't chosen that journey, people have chosen to vocalise... Your culture gets amplified and it completely affects and the external world as well, doesn't it? And these days it's like that Uber's, uh, I mean, there was a lot of cultural things, but we didn't know about it until one blog post yeah. by one external employee mm. that just triggered this subsequent yeah. like chain of events. And it's flood, like, of, flood of stuff came out. <laughs> it's amazing, like one blog post now from an employee that had a bad time has literally cost them billions of dollars and yeah. could spell like... Yeah, yeah. the CEOs the... had to resign because yeah. of that. It could, it, it could be the uh, the silver bullet, couldn't yeah. it? Yeah, I'm just yeah. waiting for mm-hmm. them to go right, you know, belly up, and then they fire sale their technology. I'm going to go in there with my twenty thousand dollars and go. Can yeah. I have that platform? I might do something with that. <laughs> you guys in? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a tough, it's a tough sell. You can get it for twenty grand. Yeah, you do. <laughs> but it's well. a fire sale. But yeah. if, if anyone six months ago had said to you. They'd be in this position. I know. thought it was the safest company in the world. Yeah. Like, you know, those kind of network effect businesses where yeah. essentially it's, it's a great business to be in once you get to a certain stage because they can lower their prices. And because they have so many cars on the road and so many users, the utility of the cars goes up and they net out with more money per hour of time. It's like, how do you compete with that? Yeah, yeah you can't, right? You can't. Um, but... And the, so, and the more that people travel, which we're all pretty, you know, we, we the travel The denser that network becomes, the easier well, it is for them. Every, like, every time I go to a city previously, I would just pull up my Uber app and didn't matter which city I was in, I was always yeah. just, I could Uber everywhere I went. You yeah. know? And that was easier for me instead of researching who's the taxi guys and each yeah. city totally. to go to. And, but, you know, it's interesting to see, where's this going to go for that company? I don't know. 
I don't I don't know either. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be really, really interesting to watch. But it just shows you the power of the network economy now, too. Yeah. So the fact yeah. that that is Live the instrument that, that um, created the rapid rise, Yeah, but it's the very same thing that is causing such a rapid descent. Yeah, yeah I think volatility is just only increasing. Yeah. Like whether it's like yeah. companies, you know, if you looked at uh, like a great Australian company like Atlassian and their HipChat product, yep. if you look at the ascension of Slack, I think within... Yeah. Like 12 or 18 months, they were more popular than HipChat and mm. like heaps of customers had switched over. Like within 12 or 18 months, like that's how quick yeah. things are moving now that you're like, you know, a billion, there's rumors they're going to get acquired for $9 billion and they're mm. like a few years old as a company. It's crazy. Uh, it's, yeah, extremely and volatile. Poor old HubSpot who were the darlings, you know, of the digital age. What, six, seven years ago even, I would have thought. Yeah. Um, now you're, you're seeming a bit more almost like dinosaurs compared to that. Obviously you're Hubs not. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be disparaging. I'm actually yep. just talking to Impact just how change. quickly the pace of change yeah. is. Yeah. And, and it does put the pressure on companies like HubSpot to how do you go from you, – you're a more mature business now. Yeah. So the whole startup-y thing – um, you know, is not the instrument that it was. For totally. You. So we're I mean, talk to us about what life's like at HubSpot and how yeah. you, how is the evolution going? I think it's like it's a really interesting conundrum because mm. I think in times of huge volatility, there's lots of opportunity, but mm. that opportunity is probably someone else's demise a lot of the time as well. Mm-hmm. And I think any company that is mature, generally they move slower, and so they have to be particularly vigilant to make sure that they do not fall prey to like their own weaknesses and get disrupted. And so it's something like as a company we're very, very focused on. Mm. Um, there's actually an offsite happening this week in Maine and the core theme is like if we were to disrupt ourselves, how would we do it? Yeah. Mm. Um, and I do think we are like we do have some structural advantages that give us a little bit of a moat, mm. which I think is more important than ever. Um, and that's like inbound marketing. So we've been inbound marketing for yeah. about 10 years now. You're essentially the Hoover. What Hoover is to vacuum cleaners, you are to inbound, aren't you? It's I, almost like, yes, hub, let's yeah. HubSpot it. It, yeah. it really is. Like, I think, like, you know, inbound is a, is a general theme, but I do think we as a company pushed it really hard. Mm. And we have a tremendous backlog of really, really, really powerful content. And as much as a lot of people are still producing more content in huge volumes... You know, we had our best ever month of organic leads last month in right. ANZ. We can fuel our sales team with like 85% of the leads we send them each month are organic leads from assets we've created in the past. Mm. And if you think about that, if a startup uh, emerged with equivalent software, which, you know, I, I think our software is very good. We actually use it internally. Yep. But people can replicate software. Yeah, for sure. They can. But... I think our acquisition strategy where we've got this backlog of content that, you know, someone produced a PR template blog post like three years ago, that's bringing in leads this month. Like all the costs, effort associated with that are in the past Mm. and we're Mm. continuing to get leverage from that. And that acquisition strategy is actually part of our moat in my mind because Mm. essentially, you know, if we're getting 100 leads a month and 85% of them are organic, the new startup that has to compete with us yeah. has to buy those leads. They do. They have to work hard to get them. Yeah. And but, but it is interesting, though, because if you think about in the, in the tech world, if you think about physical tech, typically the first mover advantage was really big. 
And if you think about, you know, there's plenty of organizations that have launched a product to market, and because they were the first to do it, it's quite hard to get some traction on the GoPro is a, a good example of that. Mm-hmm. I think in the online tech world, actually, people can replicate your product. And, you know, you've given that example already around Slack and around how their product's at threat now, and the same thing's happening with Uber as well. And interesting, though, that you guys aren't really suffering so badly from that. So I think, it, like, it just... A little bit it speaks to the acquisition piece that we do have a bit of a moat in how we acquire customers. I think it also speaks to like the value that we provide. Like someone can leave our software. You know, our software is not cheap. Like it is a big investment for a lot of companies. And if we don't do a good job of uh, providing value, then those people are going to leave. They don't stick around. Yeah. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so it's like it just you know, like the only the paranoid survive kind of thing. Like you just need to continually be worried and continually be enhancing your product and making yeah. uh, I like that quote. enhancements. Yeah. That <laughs> only I the paranoid survive a lot. That's um, takes me back to Hitchhiker's Guide of the, the, yeah. to the Galaxy. Yeah. I think the paranoid Andy, Andy Grove came up with that, so I can't take credit. For it, so. <laughs> you, know, you know the rules of that, though. You just have to reference once, I, I, and then it's yours. And you then, can yeah. own it from there. So if you just to... referenced it from here forwards, it's yeah. yours. Take... They say the meek shall inherit the earth, but only the paranoid will survive. <laughs> oh, there you oh, go, there Dave, we go. Dave. <laughs> Little hybrid. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, we just need to be super vigilant, mm. I think. And you do need to think about, like, any kind of moat you can grab onto because people can just get disrupted like outrageously yeah. quick these days. Yeah. And when you're trying to invest for the long term, it's like, okay, if you're not building up a moat at the same time, then it's hard to see how you return on that investment. Hmm. Let's segue a little because we are, in fact, at a talent conference. Um, <laughs> interested to get your views on on what you know what what is um, what's going on with talent at HubSpot, and you know, talk to us about the priorities there and how you attract, retain and, and, and continue to you know, to bring the best talent to the table. Yeah, totally. So I think it's like similar to inbound in general where we, we're in a place now where, you know, a lot of businesses are people driven. Like HubSpot, you know, it's people building the software, it's people selling it, it's people mm. marketing it. And these days there's more leverage for companies than ever before. So I think you know, in the extreme example, you had WhatsApp with like 24 people and it got acquired for like $22 billion. Mm. Mm. Really? Uh, I didn't know that. And I think Instagram similarly was like yeah. sub 50 people or definitely sub 100 when they got acquired Good for like numbers. A, a bill. You'd want to and hope s- that you're all got a piece of the pie then, wouldn't you? <laughs> it would be nice to get a piece of that pie. Yeah. Don't need much of it. No. <laughs> the, the point is that like, you know, if you look at the returns per headcount, it's that point of leverage is only getting stronger and stronger and the flip side of that is it's probably extremely hard to get those really good people that Mm. are going to help you know your business be as effective as possible and so i think that drives that combined with the fact that people can research you till the end of the earth these Mm. days and they're going to be very choosy with their time means you have to do a really good job of making sure you're in the places where people would be researching you. You're presenting yourself with a good perspective that is going to speak to the people that uh, you would like to join your organisation. Like one marketing campaign I'm working with someone at HubSpot on is we have a specific uh, technical hire that we're trying to make in Scandinavia. And so we have built a whole marketing campaign around it where Mm. it's like 
producing blog posts around the type of work that our engineers at HubSpot are doing. Mm. And then we're using like Facebook targeting to try to show that to only the type of people that could be interested in being engineers at our company because putting a drawbad up is not sufficient. Like any no. good software mm. engineer I know actually doesn't have a LinkedIn account because they hate getting the yeah. amount of recruiters that come to them. So we need to go like further up the funnel and just raise the awareness of like the amazing things they would get to do if they yeah. worked at our company. And then we would talk about offers down the track. But to just, just be like, oh, cool, we've got this job, pays this much. They're like, cool, I've got the best safety net of all time. I'm a software engineer <laughs> in that, 2017. Isn't that interesting that actually you've got these people with these skills that are so mm. sought after that they're opting out hmm. of every social domain to try to almost yeah. hide from the, the sort of the, the stalking well, that goes so on. So, Jared, have you still got a LinkedIn profile? <laughs> I have, mate. That must mean that I'm not one of those people. <laughs> well, I think, it's, I think it's just flipped because they know the companies they would want to work for and the type of work they want to do. And if they decide to make that switch, they've, they've got that choice, really. That's, it completely turns on its head. The strategies that organisations that don't carry a hero brand, you know, it, it, like how do you, if you're someone that's trying yep. to break into a market mm. and you say, I've got to go and get some of those top tier talent people, but I don't have a brand that says they want to come and work for me yet. It's not a known brand. Yep. You know, I can't find them on the job boards. They're not on LinkedIn anymore. Mm. I've got to do something totally different. I've got to break into their circles mm. somehow. I've heard of some companies that. I probably shouldn't talk about it yet, but there's a startup company in Australia that is doing extremely well. There are, they won't mind if I say this. So there's a company called Safety Culture, and they are like the cam, they're the unsexy Canva at the moment. Um, but they have the best, you know, they're taking the best people from Atlassian. They're yeah. like, they're growing extremely fast, but they are conscious that their brand isn't at the level of like a Canva or an Atlassian mm. yet. And they have ex- some extremely big plays to increase their employer brand that are coming out later this year. That it's like the efforts people are going to to yeah. to build that you have to right. They're, they're gigantuan, but they make sense because yeah, they have to. They're competing with companies all over the world. Well, it's turned the whole um, whole dynamic upside down. So it used to be very much about the employer choosing who they wanted to hire. That's not the case anymore. Now it's no. about the, the worker saying, who do I want to work for? Absolutely. And, and you know what? I've got these suitors lined up. Yeah. And, or maybe, actually, I don't have them lined up because I've managed to hide pretty well from them. Mm. Yeah. You know? Our, our um, co-founder, Damesh Shaw, he, he doesn't, he's a bit of an introvert and he doesn't like speaking in front of crowds. He speaks at a lot of conferences to meet the other speakers that he wants to hire down the track. Like he will fly, he hates flying. He will fly across the country to speak at a conference to meet one of the other panelists that he wants to hire down yeah. the track because it's like it's that important. Build a relationship. Yeah. Do something out of his comfort zone. And it's a multi-year investment often for him. He's like, look, I just am going to plant the seed, continue to touch base with them, and then That's when clever, the opportunity comes up, that's playing the long game. That's clear. Yeah. Yeah, and it just it just shows you it is it's about marketing, right? So everything you described there is marketing tactics, marketing strategy. Yep. It's not traditional recruitment. Put a job ad up, yeah. um, you know, and and sift through for the gold. No, you know, that that doesn't cut You're it anymore. Not, I almost have a it's almost a negative signal if someone mm. uh, almost if they like apply. Like I think often yeah, we'll have right. to stalk for the best people. Yeah. Um, there there is the exception where someone has had you know i have i know the other two companies i would want to work for 
And if I if an opportunity popped up and I wanted mm. to work for them, I would know chapter and verse why I yeah. would do it. Someone yeah. that just stumbles across a job ad and clicks apply and doesn't know much, it's a pretty big negative signal, yeah. I think. Yeah. That's like, for me, it's probably in your world, that's like all the um, inbounders I get from uh, people wanting to sell me business development services and, yeah. and the like, as opposed to, I've never had one of those from HubSpot, uh, more likely that's to have an engaged conversation with someone from the HubSpot organisation or more likely to be referred in. Yeah. Um, that, to me, is the equivalent um, scenario in the, in the recruitment space. It's kind of... Gosh, I'll tell you what, we've we've covered some ground. (laughs) James, we've had 20 good minutes, though. Tell you what. Yeah, yeah, we've gone all over the place. You know, we talked about Uber, (laughs) we talked about network economies, we talked about, you know, people at the core of the... All sorts of great stuff. So thank you for your time. Thanks for joining us. No worries. Thank you. It was really good. It was fun. Yeah, it was great. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Thanks, Thanks, James. Cheers. Cheers.